Hey there, this is Ben Currier, self-proclaimed world's number one failure. In this podcast, we'll learn about the hardest moments my guests faced and the failures they endured on their path towards making it. I hope you enjoy. Hey, it's Ben here, and in addition to this podcast, I also teach Microsoft Excel online. Visit ExcelExposure.com for more information and use the coupon code FAILURE for 20% off of the lifetime access to the course. Stay tuned after the episode for a little bit more information as to why it's so important to improve your Excel skills and unlock your inner Excel ninja. Thanks. Hey there, friends of failure, and welcome to this week's episode of the Failure Guy Pod. <laughs> Here we go. Hey there, friends of failure, and welcome to this week's episode of the Failure Guy Podcast. This is Ben Currier here, and I'm here with Vinny Potestivo. Fuck me. Let's just go again because I can I can edit all this. <laughs> Vinny Potestivo is right. That's it. Yeah. Perfect. Well, why not start with a fail and, and a recovery? This is brilliant. I no, I'll put some of that in because I've you know, last week I said Fazoli instead of Gazzoli. So I left that in. I leave a lot of the mistakes in, but uh, at least when you get one right. It's annoying when you do your work. That's what <laughs> that's what stinks about it when you do all the research. Yeah, I know. Exactly. When I know how to pronounce it. Uh, OK. <laughs> hey, there, friends of failure. This is uh, Ben Curry here with this week's episode of the Failure Guy podcast, and I'm here with Vinny Potestivo. Hey there, Vinny. How's it going? Yo, thank you, Mr. Failure, <laughs> for having me. Absolutely. Do you want to let my listeners know a bit about yourself? You can choose what you want to let them know, but just try to talk yourself up. <laughs> give yourself a little bit of that ego before we deflate it with some of the fails. I'd love to hear like a shameless brag or a humble self-promotion, whatever you want to call it. The thing you don't probably like doing, <laughs> but I'd love for you to just pump yourself up a bit. I appreciate that. Uh, and for those listening, I promise to make this audio experience worth your while. I've had a phenomenal career in television that really helped me launch some of the biggest names in pop culture. I put Beyonce in her first film. I brought Mandy Moore to TV, uh, the Osbournes. I helped Ashton Kutcher launch his production company when we developed Punked at MTV. And I, I've been launching talent brands for the first 10 years of my career. Um, Jessica Simpson, Ashley Simpson, uh, so many. And then for the last 15 years of my career, I've been focused on getting entrepreneurs, business owners, um, people on camera, on tape, people with talent, people with businesses, people with passion. Some of those shows are ensemble shows. So you know them as like Housewives of New Jersey. Um, like there are uh, shows that I've cast and helped find uh, cast members for. And then there are just powerful people in media that I'm so lucky I got to work with. Nick Cannon, uh, Lala Anthony, TJ Lavin, like big, big, big personalities that um, are killing it in their careers. And I'm just very lucky that I got to learn how to use my talent and turn it into a skill set that provided really great wealth and greatly for those people, but also not only them, but now myself and also hopefully you. Absolutely. And also you won an Emmy. Yes. You left that out as well. I won an Emmy last year. Last year was a big year for me. 25 years in TV and I I, I won a limited amount of awards. I, I really got focused. I came up with an award-winning strategy to win awards. I applied for awards. I found projects that I knew would be eligible for certain types of awards. They aired on broadcast television or they aired terrestrial radio or they were a podcast. So playing in, in a, a heavy mix of media is important. And winning awards is equally important. And I come from a big flashy cable network, you know, background for 20 years. It's nice to win awards 
that are available in the public sector of content. I strongly urge you and suggest that y'all go in awards. Absolutely. Yes. If you don't know that you can apply for an award or that you can get on something, if you're doing anything of value, I think in the creative space or yeah. uh, online media space anywhere, uh, there's probably an award that you could apply for. Awards. I know you just shared with me something that has a ton of different awards, but not a lot of people know that they can usually put themselves up for it if you think you've done something uh, worth checking out. Yeah, there's there's no one walking around handing out Emmys and, and Grammys. You know, you have to pay to be in the Academy. You have to pay for the... Perhaps you've heard the phrase uh, for your consideration, Mm -hmm. which often means that someone has paid money for an application fee for consideration of a nomination. Um, But I love, you know, and helping people build the talent brands. I love I love starting and talking about awards. Some people feel, you know, ashamed around the award conversation. And that's kind of like what I love talking about first, like you are worthy of awards and also people want to work with award-winning people and also people often will start from an award-winning list of creators or producers or strategists they'll often look for the best of the best and work backwards from there so for those three reasons you know do i do i say it's worth you know the, and then and then the seo mm-hmm. for, you know the credibility Often these awards are not won in silos individually. My my Emmy is in partnership with five other awesome people that are power. Brandon T. Can I say Brandon T. Adams, mm-hmm. Jeffrey Hoffman, Kevin Harrington, the richest shark in Shark Tank, Samantha Rosen. We had some awesome executive producers on this project that that made uh, this project. that's called Red Flags, available on Bespoke TV. Um, that made it what it is. So I'm so proud to get to say I won an Emmy with all of those people. They're amazing people to win and experience something with, let alone, you know, have a little golden statue now in my own hands. Mm-hmm. But please, please win awards. And Ben, you talked about earlier, and I can make this available for you. So people listening to this, we can do like, a, you know, in the DMs, maybe let's not put it like above on social, but I came up with a list, like almost a hundred digital awards that I think most people don't know about. And it's a great place to start and invest in yourself. It's it's like the best investment you can possibly get. Give yourself. Absolutely. And I have it open right now. I'm looking right at it. And uh, and it, it is good. I, I was wondering uh, for any of the other things that you did, like you've gotten your podcast then put on multiple networks, including like online, I mean, direct TV, bespoke. I'm not sure all the platforms that it goes out to. How do you recommend distribution for things like that? Because I imagine there's a lot of ways you, people could repurpose stuff that they're already doing Yeah, in that way. Yeah. I build my series with amplification in mind. So a lot of the series, even my podcast or digital recurring appearances that I'll do will have segments in them. Like I'm, I'm intentionally stepping into this, creating something that I know I'm going to be able to lift and share. So if it's a 45 minute podcast, I know this five minute segment that I have in every single podcast is something I can pick up and lift. And maybe I can do a distribution deal with only good TV and they might give me a couple of hundred bucks, not exclusively, Mm -hmm. but what they're going to do is they're going to put it in their content aggregator. And a content aggregator is let's say, uh, a magnifying glass. And what it does is it takes your content and reverse magnifies it and multiplies it out, streamlined, like all these tiny little streamlined rays of light, imagine, to hundreds or thousands of blogs that are looking for content. So there's, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it amplifies and projects and pushes out to all these people looking, asking, 
yeah. for your content. So I know that that ecosystem exists. So I create content knowing that there's a greater need for content outside of what I want to do. And I match, I meet my needs with their needs so that it makes it easy for DirecTV to run a couple of my segments. It makes it easy for OTT networks to be able to run my podcast or mm-hmm. YouTube partners. That 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 piece is important, the amplification piece. And, and, and there's also, I'll give one more hint. If you're creating podcasts and you're making video, there are video aggregators and, and the video is what gets pushed out. But most of the sharing that happens online are blog aggregators is the idea that when I have a podcast, I have a web page mm-hmm. and I don't have like, um, you, you can put a widget, you know, on your web page and you can just embed a player and let it play in there. I, I propose that you create a page, a blog page for the blog submission for each of your episodes. Cause that's what, and you know, this better than anybody. So maybe we're just telling the audience here that information, audio and print is what gets mm-hmm. pushed out to Google in the SEO world. And that's where real visibility happens. So you're even talking about transcripts and stuff so the robots can crawl it and grab all that info. And, and there's this great website and it's called Q, Q-U-U-U.co slash promote. So it's Q-U-U-U.co.co slash promote. And what that does is it will take your blog and put it into the ecosystem where people are saying, I want marketing information. If a marketing blog comes up, send it to me. If I like it, I want to tap a button so that I can share that instantly on LinkedIn. So I can share that instantly on Facebook. And that's what QUU.co does. People go there so that they can automate some of their content and they receive like-minded content that they can then you know, put on their social media and share. QUU.co co slash promote is it two years or three years three three years q okay. u u u dot co slash promote is how you get into that ecosystem by the way i think it's like 75 bucks for 10 blogs per month that will get pushed out that's powerful when you think of gotcha when, when we're talking about how do i get my post seen how do i how do i get more likes how do i get more comments how do i get more engagement I'm not answering any of those questions. Mm-hmm. This solves it in a whole different way in terms of getting your content out with pure reach. Yeah. And then you can focus more on the content itself. That's it. Rather than trying to get it out there. Mm-hmm. So tw- you said 25 years in TV. So I imagine you didn't start. I can tell because you just got the Emmy by winning Emmys. So wh- what led you into that industry or what led you to to go down that path? Oh, I was, I'm a, uh, uh, by trade, an engineer. I learned how to digitize tapes and store data. I uh, had an internship when I was 15 at Staten Island Community Access Channel, and I was in the control room, and I learned from a beta tape. I learned digital. I learned VHS. I learned beta, and I learned mini beta. I learned how to wire two VCRs together. Which, by the way, that side hustle got me through college, making making copy. Oh, I probably shouldn't say pirated copies. It's horrible. It's horrible to look at how how pi- the pirating industry really did have an impact. Um, but if it wasn't for the fundamental skill mm-hmm. of knowing how to share information, and that's how we shared data back then. It was hard. It was. It's weird to say. It's hard. It's it's easy to email me the movie. Email me. Email, imagine email me the movie oh, twenty years ago. Like you described the movie is really what happened. <laughs> yeah, right. You had to be like, yeah, maybe you had like a speakerphone or something. <laughs> and 
And I loved also, I loved people. I loved the idea of helping people get their shit together. Like getting people, seeing the best in people and helping them frame themselves the way that they could best frame themselves. And to be honest, a lot of that, that skill set developed when I was at the computer center at Wagner College, uh, helping people on Excel and Microsoft Word, helping people create PowerPoints, helping people create documents that reflected, you know, like they were the ones writing it, but I could fix the margins, pick the right font. You know, I, if, if you needed to, you know, hit a certain amount of pages, maybe we can do a 0.5 font and, you know, all the, all the little like cheats that we did. But all of that turned into how to write a show pitch how to write a talent pitch, how Mm -hmm. to hire talent on a network, all that presentation, all that paperwork, even down to the database. I was, I I started my casting company in 98 from my college dorm room. I took out an ad on something called Backstage. Uh, I said, if you want to be an actor, send me your headshot. I want to be a casting director and I'm looking for actors who are looking for work. That's literally, I didn't even say I am a casting director. I said, I'm looking for you Hmm. if you're looking for me, because this is what I would like to do. And I got hundreds of headshots sent to my school and I opened up Excel. I created a database and literally from that moment on, it was always sometimes referred to myself as like a people hoarder. And, and for the context of this conversation, I've cast hundreds of thousands of hours of reality TV and TV programming. Like there's, I've cast um, talent on the network level, on the show level, on the episode level. And I, I bring up the fact that I have this engineering background and I, mm-hmm. I like recording because people can get lost in the shuffle and you can quickly forget that they're people when you just got to move bodies, when you got to hit a number or higher. And I was never that guy. I was always aware of the emotional journey that people were taking, whether they were identified as creative talent, you know, traditionally in the arts that mm-hmm. we might have, you know, 20 years ago, or now where we are all creators, whether we like it or not, you know, we have to accept that. It's not, a, it doesn't mean we're influencers, yeah. but we are all creators. You know, I'm not saying we're all celebrities, but everybody has talent. And I mean it. Yeah, well, so when I ask, when I talk to people who are actors, I notice there's a lot of failure baked into that, not getting the role and things. What is it like being on the flip side where you're not giving the role out to people? How do you oh, yeah. do that in a way that's not? I hear, I hear no. When I'm, when I was like, I mean, it's been maybe like four or five years since I've been casting as like my main, as my main gig, but no one hears no more than me. And I don't even, I don't tell people no in the room. I'll be very honest with you by the way whether you're auditioning to be a host for a game show or on one of the housewives or on any of the networks that i've worked on there's i don't even call them castings i've always called them interviews mm-hmm. or chat or chats you know what i mean because that's really how i go into it like curious let's see what i can get on tape i know i'm gonna re- i know i'm gonna remove my voice and send it to the network with just your voice on it so for me it's really about what energy do i want to get you to emote on camera and uh i i like that part of casting but i hear no so you can't be you can't be negative nancy and you know downward Mm -hmm. dodger you know and expect people to be at their best i also don't gas people and set false expectations and i've met some of my closest friends in the casting room that i wasn't able to get on those gigs and that's i actually like that because um, because I have such room, I really do feel a calling in casting. Like I really try to get people hired. 
I work so hard to get people. Mm-hmm. I work so hard to get people hired because I know what it will do to them. I also know how hard the producers want me to help them land on one person because it's easy to come up with a handful of talent. It's hard to make that final decision. My job then is to really help these people delineate. So it's about unique qualifiers. Um, sometimes it's about, by the way, I've had I've had hosts get hired just because their email addresses were funnier than <laughs> the person that, they, so it came down to the two of them and one had an agency email and one had a funny Gmail and they were like, but look at the Gmail address. That's like, he's gotta be a funny guy. You know what? I, I, and I promote positivity and, and I encourage creativity. So however these producers land on their idea. You know what I mean? There's so many reasons that people do what they do. Uh, but I know that when I'm part of the project, at least the result is going to be something that I'm proud of. Um, there have been failures. There have been projects that I, I could not cast. I probably should have passed on those projects from the get-go because I knew I knew I was going to fail. I didn't, I didn't like the idea. I didn't want to find what they were looking for because I didn't I didn't think it was coming from a good place. Now, I, who I am not the right person to make that decision, and I should not. Looking back as a business owner, I should not have intentionally tried to fail. Mm-hmm. In my defense, I would say I had fifty employees, and I was running a pretty a pretty medium sized small agency. You got to take any gig you can to bring in, you know, money. So you don't have to name names, but is there? any that stand out that you were like, well, I really either can't, or I guess what you're saying is if if your client wants to be a a part of something, you shouldn't be getting in the way, I guess is what you're saying at the time. You know, if, if you didn't believe in the, the idea of it, I'll, I'll I'll say this because I'm coming from a place of privilege and I want to acknowledge that I will say this as a white man, I would not interfere with the success of someone else because I didn't agree with it anymore. I would pass on the project. Gotcha. I am educated now. And I feel, and I bring that up because I bring that up because I'm also 20 years into my career and it, I don't, who, who am I to derail you from what you're doing because I don't understand and or agree with it. But what I would say in my defense is I really try to come up with an alternative version. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Here's something really, so Diddy wanted, so Diddy wanted an effeminate uh, uh, homosexual to be the den mother of making the band. Okay. He thought it would be funny if there was just like a loud over the top, you know, uh, effeminate uh, den mother is what the description was. I have to be honest, and this is like my age too. Uh, a, as a gay man, I didn't want to feed into this stereotype. Two, I didn't see why he, he or they needed to be effeminate to be the den mother and nowhere in the description nowhere in what I was supposed to deliver. Did it say this person should have coaching experience? This person should understand tech, uh, how to deal with people or it, it was the den, the den mother parts, the den mother part. Yeah. You know, like all the things that yeah. you would want them to be nurturing. And it wasn't that it, it came from a place. It came from a shock jock. It came from a shock place. Mm-hmm. Um, like a lot of, early reality television did, you know, came from a shocking place. Putting people down. Yeah, putting people down so that we, the viewers, could put ourselves up, right? Yeah, a little schadenfreude. That's not my thing. That's not, those are not, even, you know, Punked. Punked is a great example. 
when I worked on Punked mm-hmm. <laughs> 20 years ago, when we created Punked, it was 69 episodes, it said? A long time. Oh, I think we did more than that, I bet. Well, that's um, what you, uh, your IMDb says. I, I won't argue with it, but maybe you didn't get credit was, with it. Oh, is that, that was the ones I involved. Yeah. Those are the ones that I was probably, yeah. The show, the show does have a much larger life than, than when I was involved. I, I was in, involved in the development of the series and um, Ashton came to us with a concept um, similar to Punked. Mm-hmm. And I bring this up, you know, specifically for this, for this failure podcast, because uh, our, our pilot for Punked was an epic fail. In fact, there's parts of it I can't go into because it turned into a legal battle, mm-hmm. but there were legal reasons why we couldn't do the version of Punked that we had set out to do, which originally was celebrities playing jokes on what could be their ultimate fans or on just regular fans. Okay. So it wasn't always celebrities playing jokes, you know, on celebrities. That that concept came up um, in response. Reduce liability, maybe. Yeah, in response <laughs> to yeah, that's exactly what it was. So so you hit the nail on the head. I, in the in the pilot, they punk someone that they shouldn't have punked and it was a bad experience. And this is in mm-hmm. the early ages, in the early years of, of hidden cameras. Punked obviously is a hidden camera show because we're intentionally hiding cameras. But sometimes if you're shooting a show and you can't see the camera, but it's not a hidden camera because everyone knows what we're doing, but you just can't see it. That also is included in the hidden camera laws. So mm-hmm. um, a lot of but- laws came into play after, after punk and, um, and a couple of te- television shows. Was Candid Camera the first one? Yeah, I think. I mean, uh, Candid Camera was in color. So I imagine there has to be like a black and white version of that show, right? <laughs> like I grew up watching that show. Ashton, uh-huh. Ashton talked about that show growing up. Like there, there hadn't been a show like that. And, and to be honest, I so here's a long story short, is that Mandy Moore was working at MTV already at that time. Mandy was dating Wilmer, Valderrama. Will mm-hmm. was working on uh, 70 the 70 show. show with Ashton. And Will had this idea of your mama. And I was like, Will, that's a bad idea. Maybe, maybe you're like, maybe it's lost in translation, I remember saying, or maybe you don't understand that that's not a that's not a good idea. Like we shouldn't talk about people's moms. What I didn't realize, how right Wilmer was, by the way, <laughs> was was the the community that that actually allowed people. Like that was a fun that I I remember. I shook my head. I said, I'm not even, I didn't, I said, well, I'm not bringing this into the network. I don't, I don't think this is a good one. He went to a guy named Danny via my counterpart and they made the show happen because I talk about it as like, it is one of my, yo mama is my biggest, (laughs) (laughs) but you learn, right. You learn from, from these things. And I'll say this. I, I was a boy from Staten Island. You know, when you're when you're from New York, you tend to think New York is the only place that exists, and everything else outside of New York is just not New York, as opposed to other places. Mm-hmm. And um, and I learned so much sitting in those in 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 that seat for ten years at MTV, developing shows, developing talent, serving youth culture, changing MTV news, bringing faces to the network that you know nationalities, backgrounds that hadn't hadn't been seen, hadn't been invested in media. It was a mm-hmm. super cool experience, but but a lot of failures, and MTV timed it. You know, MTV Spring Break was kind of like fail. That's where that's where we would put shows that. Oh, we don't know if this is going to work or not. Uh-huh. Put it on MTV Spring Break because it, it could fail there. Because if it fails, at least it'll do well. Because yeah, the eyeballs are on it. You know what I mean? For all the wrong reasons, it'll, we can still. But so we set ourselves up for failure. Um, top of the summer, 
spring break snowed in. Like there were seasonally, there were places where we, the network would break talent knowing that there's a margin of error and it's safe in this window. So it's fun to think about now. Yeah. Looking back, you know, how we prepared for failure and, and how when you prepare for failure, how it, it sets you up to win epically Mm -hmm. or fail collectively to be really, if you're really failing really, really big and you're the only person who's failing, well, then you did it wrong. (laughs) But if you fail with like a group of people, that's like, that's, that's learning. You know, that's where that's relationship building and, and pioneering bond over that. Yeah. Yeah. So it seems like you're pretty, pretty good in the empathy game. I don't know if that's something you've developed over time. I remember recently I was talking to Seth Godin, if you know who he is uh, on a yeah. Zoom, because I was I'm part of one of his workshops, but I was asking him how he got so good at it because he's very empathetic in his, his messaging and the way he talks. And he said he was like a jerkish teenager, just like everybody else. And you develop it over time. Would you agree that like going through this whole process and seeing it for so many years, like flex that empathy muscle? Or do you think it was something that you've always kind of had like oh, yeah. more of than most people? Uh, um, so I would say I am the, I'm currently the oldest of six, um, children, but growing up, um, my dad remarried, but, um, growing up, I was the oldest of four, um, from a single parent household. And I was never treated as like the, the man of the house, but I always was hyper aware of my brothers and my my younger brothers and sisters. And I went through Al-Anon and Alateen as a teenager because my parents had active, um, addictions and, I learned as a child that not all adults had the answers that you wanted them to have and that that adults were capable of making mistakes. So with that information, I, I kind of ultimately learned not to trust adults. It's a, it's a bad thing, to be honest. There's no internet back then. <laughs> you know, the, we only had the encyclopedias, library, yeah. you know what I mean? It, usually you learn about life things from like your youngest uncle or your young, youngest aunt, you know, in an Italian family, I'm sort of structuring up here. So, um, you realize nobody had the answers cause we don't really, I realized no one had the answers and, and there was some shame. So, and then here's where shame and ego plays. And I would make it up. I would make up answers. So oh, I'm okay. kind of famous for saying like, I can answer any question you throw at me, but I'm going to let you know, I'm making it up, but this is just based on like what I think and feel. Mm-hmm. So, that that skill set is that's an awesome skill set that I I'm often asked first in the room my opinion because I'm I generally have one formed early on but I also walk into that room with an established point of view so everyone in that room has a prediction of where I'm coming from and if not they'll know what tools I'm using and how I calibrate you know the success of strategy or implementation of someone's talent brand or something like that. Um, but empathy is a, is a huge piece. You know, some people, some people look at like what I, some people look at television and they'll say, um, well, every job you've had, you know, um, you know, has, is, is, you know, you're meeting a connection and you're meeting a connection and you're meeting a connection. And I'm like, yeah, but the, 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 the connections are kind of made, you know, um, it's a finite amount of people in this world. There's an, there's an infinite amount of energy. But there's a finite amount of people that I know that I can I can actually rock, that I can like impact, that I can I can level up. Mm-hmm. And then there are the people who level me up. And I think that's where I'm having fun in this podcasting game because for a long time I was either like the head of the department or like the head of a smaller agency. 
there's nothing more peer to peer, more eye to eye conversations than podcasting. No matter it's crazy. It doesn't matter who you are because we're all it's two mics, two people. It's either dead air, it's either dead air, or there's chemistry. You know, there's either information or or a whole lot of nada. Well, remember growing up in the '90s and we we imagined video phones and like ways of doing stuff that we're doing now, and it's real reality. It's insane that we can immediately talk to each other. Whereas before, like you couldn't even go on the internet without someone hang up the phone. Like so many things that was like. Oh, in, in the 90s, when I would cast for MTV's like TRL, when I was casting video jockey, DJs, hosts for the shows, mm-hmm. I would send a camcorder and I would also send a, uh, oh, I don't even remember the name of it, um, uh, with a phone that has a speakerphone. I would send a speakerphone oh, okay. and I would send a camcorder so that the speakerphone would be turned on. And then I could talk in the room so I could hear myself. It was like a, a little bit of a fluid conversation. And then they would set the camera up, record themselves, and then ship everything back to me. at MTV. The first Zoom almost, but snail mail Zoom. Pretty much. <laughs> it was tough, though, because I was and then I would get the tape and I'd be like, that's how you framed it. Like, I thought <laughs> I got so I got real good at being descriptive about how to how to set up cameras without seeing what people were looking at. You know, like, yeah. you learn thing, you know, or lighting look. Yeah. Like, does it look glow? Is it glowing? Yeah, it's glowing. Okay. That's bad. That means there's too much light. So <laughs> let's find another, you know what I mean? Like those little, like those little things. Yeah. yeah, it looks great. It's like a spirit is here. You know, I got the, the, the Oprah Vaseline effect. I'm like, that's not good. <laughs> and, that's not even yeah. real, but and you have to send that in, real. right? Cause you have to, that'd be what you'd use. Right. Yeah. And that's the other thing is that then that's what I'm cutting down and I'm walking around the halls of MTV showing you know, the, the people 20 years ago who literally launched the network. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, and I'm, and I'm aware that these are like, I had such, I had such love for the senior execs at MTV when, because when I got to MTV, it was 98, MTV was 17 years old. That was right after Michael Jackson pulled his catalog. It was the beginning of the, of why is this just rock and roll? Where, where are the black faces? Where are the men and the women? Where are all, all the colors? Where, where is everybody other than just angry white rock? I didn't realize this then, but like I look back at my, my career and it's like, uh, it was a golden, in my opinion, a golden age, era, age, age or era of television. We'll go with either one. How quickly MTV greenlit certain, you know, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't good enough that we just did the Osbournes um, which was like rock royalty, but we had to go and find hip hop royalty from a family, you know, perspective, and and you know, get tap into Rev Run and his. You know, it was just so cool how mm-hmm. we were able to to lean on some of the artists that actually made MTV, like yeah, in the process, um, to give them cameras that turned into reality shows or or I or, or uh, I wanted Method Man or Red. They're, the version of punk, by the way, would have been that 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 Ashton ended up doing would have been awesome. We had that idea, and Meth, Meth and Redman would have been awesome to host a show like that. By the way, I love them. Yeah, that that was like my error. You know, that's uh, uh, even putting Exhibit in uh, Pimp My Ride. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like those were like that was like the coolest way to get to u- utilize talent that I literally had watched my entire life growing up. You know, creating culture. It was. Like, so reciprocal. Cool. Yeah. When I worked at MTV Networks, which was, I think, just after you left, 
I was like 2008, 2012 ish. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just after me, but I'd go to 1515 Broadway and it'd be like weird to be there. A, but then they'd be like, Oh, you just missed it. Yesterday was Snoop Dogg was walking around handing out fried chicken around the office. I'm like, damn it. Why didn't I come yesterday? <laughs> it happens. It happens. Yeah. My best friend was uh, an intern at the time when Mariah Carey decided she was going to show up and hand out ice cream bars on TRL. And so funny. And she was the one that had a run around Times Square. We had the ice cream truck, but we didn't the ice cream cart, but we didn't have the ice cream. So we actually, that's what she had to do is run around Times Square, buying up all the ice cream that we could fill <laughs> the cart with like the little, those little stories, you know, or, or like, I think I did like a, a blink 182 naked bike ride race in the studio. Like there's weird <laughs> things that I was a part of that pop up a very Busta rhymes, a very Busta Christmas, you know, but I love it. I love when that stuff, it's the cool, it, I just, I loved MTV when I was there. And like, as you said, 2008 was a turning point. That's like Jersey Shore and Tequila Tequila started airing, you know, the mm-hmm. then, you know, I, I did Laguna Beach. Um, I did the hills and we just finished no, the city and we were just starting on the hills um, when I left. So the, hill, the hills cast had already been locked in um, as I was as I was leaving. And then MTV just changed so quickly, I feel like, after I left in those two years. Yeah. After that. I think the whole the whole ride was, was interesting. A lot of people got mad when they stopped playing music all the time, uh, which kind of would have been around your time, like when they started to shift to more you know content stuff but then yeah definitely took a turn to be more negative maybe with some of the content or at least strange giving into people's weirder <laughs> sides without thinking about what that does you know yeah they're like they're yeah i would have potentially i mean yeah uh, who knows what, what should have would have could have but yeah uh, damien fahey right you, that you had on right what he, about you just got my you got my eyes lit up on that one what about him i love that man well you had him on your podcast right and he's yes. he was a trl guy for a while yes. is that right yeah yeah he hosted it i don't know how long and i was listening to that podcast and i heard you say this and i'd like to get your take on it because uh it's interesting uh from a viewpoint so you said if i only got 100 views or 100 likes i'd be devastated on a social media post you were saying how do you think that has changed you. I mean, because back in the day, we couldn't even get a human being to like you for whatever five people to like you. Now you're like upset with 100 views or likes. How has that changed? Like, because you've got a lot of a decent amount of followers and stuff. Like, that's so funny. Do you think social media's done a good thing or bad thing on us? And and how do those views? I mean, you said you'd be devastated. Hopefully, that was just an overstatement. And well, I wouldn't. <laughs> that's so funny. You know, I would be devastated if I cared mm-hmm. enough about those numbers anymore. I think that that's the growth between or the message maybe. Yeah, the, the I, I wouldn't care about the numbers. I would I will I I would be devastated if I looked at numbers and I let them impact me. Like that's what I was trying to say. Like if I if I was disappointed at how something performed and it was because of a numerical piece I I think I've done some framework and some mindset shifting since then. Mm-hmm. I would say since then I focus on impact. Yeah. Uh, the impact of my message. And I hope that not everybody listens to my message because I like my message. Hmm. I like talking about it and I want to keep saying it. I don't want to feel like I'm repeating myself. I want to feel like I'm working hard to get my message across. And so I welcome, you know, numbers of all, of all shapes and sizes, by the way. Um, but it's a mindset piece uh, and, and it's sure. a much larger, it's a much larger conversation. You know, when you- I think you were talking about it in response to how many people were at TRL studios 
and whether or not like that the there's like 100 to 150 people there and like how crazy that was oh yeah oh yeah oh that's crazy oh yeah well well sure right it's so, like 100 people yeah. in real life versus 100 likes or something like yeah. that oh yeah that's interesting it's interesting the power you know how, how well that's just because people forget that followers are people that's what that is yeah that's because they forget that that content is entertainment that's what that they forget that it's not about your content it's about how entertaining were you and you have to deliver that in the form of content now so so i think that that's that's where you know it's it's not calling it a social media account it's calling it my social media network yeah you know it's not calling you it's not calling you followers it's calling you viewers and and treating you like that gifting gifting you like that not expecting you to follow me mm -hmm. And, and I think that just comes from my, my earned media training. That's like some of that. That's what I like. That's what I hear that in the back of my head as, I'm, as I hear what I'm talking about right now. Yeah. Now I know what you mean. Is that how hard we earn it? In fact, at MTV, we had a, a meeting every week called Walter. Um, we, W-A-L-T-E-R. We all like to earn ratings. And it occurred to me that we used that phrase back in the 90s. We all like to earn ratings. And I love that the word earn is in there. It saves it. And, and there was no such thing as paid media back then. You know, there was, but there was no such thing as paid media the, the way that there is now in terms of like pay to play. So it just goes back to the fundamental part. Like we like, we like to earn it. Mm -hmm. I don't expect it, you know, yeah. and I think that that's the mind shift piece when you ask about the hundred then and the hundred now, but yeah, we forget. That's the thing is like we forget that these are real, if a hundred people showed up to your birthday party, Maron, <laughs> you'd be overwhelmed. Yeah, you know, no, it's crazy. hundred people like me on, on this and I'm like, oh, that, that's nice. Why not a thousand? Imagine a thousand people show up to my birthday party. It's too much. Overwhelming. And the yeah. weird thing is like back in the day, you know, there's only so many in the fifties or whatever, there's only so many channels people could be watching stuff on then yeah. you know when you get to your time still so only so many channels now yeah there's still like infinite infinite amount of channels in terms of like ways you can find content so now it's a different playground like you can't do a lot of the things you did back when mtv was doing what they did because yeah it's there's too much um content cluttering of space yeah the eyeballs aren't there yeah, the, the eyeballs aren't there. I, I I give a lot of credit to the ver the era of MTV that when I was there, ninety eight to two thousand seven. I give a lot of credit to that era because to me, it seems like that's when everyone was watching MTV. Mm -hmm. What I didn't realize is that was coming towards the end of when everyone was watching TV. It was at the height of MTV's distribution in terms of market reach. We were in more markets in the late 90s than we ever were ever in television. So we were getting new audience, not just more audience. Mm -hmm. um, youth culture only had MTV as an outlet. You know, and until AOL Music, YouTube, until some of those platforms came out where music videos could be on demand, MTV was the only reason. In fact... Yeah. In fact, we launched like 10 MTV networks. I was going to say MTV2. I was just trying yeah, to think MTV, through. MTV3, MTV Hits, MTV Jams, and, and then and then a tremendous amount of international and diasporic collaborative properties that I got to launch. And I loved I love that. Like you take yeah. take a, like this like take this like a global brand and translate it 
in each of these territories. Like it's a, it's a local product. Like what MTV means in every country is different, you know, than what it means here. Mm-hmm. And in other countries, it could be it could be a window into American pop culture, or it can also just be a window into their pop culture, depending on you know how the licensing and, and then yeah uh, network arrangements and like it did feel like it was mtv was every, everywhere that back then now it was not really as talked about i guess individual things would be talked about yeah i think there's just a, there's, a, there's just a lot of platforms to be really honest um and then yeah. you know mtv was always about the niches it's about the it's about like the crack it's about the cracks in the wall it's about the the places where light doesn't get like mtv like that's where i felt like mtv always was brilliant was being in the difficult to be places and um uh i'll tell you what with the rise of podcasting Mm -hmm. because podcasting is something that anyone can do in america and create and own as opposed to a television show in america where if you create a television show you sell the show to the network the network owns it so you don't own that ip and that goes for almost any show. Then there, I don't want to get into this too. Yeah, there's, there's a reason why people go to international territories. They sell it first, you know, and oh, to own the rights, and then bring it over here. And there's no quicker way to own rights than from podcasting. I also think that MTV is set up to level up podcasting in a really unique way. That like, if you think about like how we watched MTV in the '90s, we didn't really watch. TV. It was on and the whole house could hear, you know, we didn't have to be watching MTV to know what the music, what was on TV because we know the music video, you know, and I think that podcasting is, you know, in a lot of ways, podcasting audio fills every nook and crevice of the house. We kind of know what it's going to look like, you know, because it's just people talking. Mm -hmm. So I could see how podcasting and MTV in the future for television, maybe this is like a five-year sort of leap. Call that I'm making here. Um, we'll go hand in hand, and I don't know what it is that will make it make sense. You know, like you can go to MTV and download any podcast you want and watch from M- like that because MTV served the viewer, and podcasting serves the listener. You at you ask the RSS feed, like you ask for that information. It serves, you know, that request. Yeah. So I just think there's something. I think there's something there. There. I hope. I hope. I'd love to see MTV be successful and relevant. Yeah. So what what has been your biggest failure so far or mistake in podcasting? When I launched my podcast, I don't think I had as much clarity as I thought I had. I think I think I thought that I was being a little bit more clear and niche than I actually ended up being. And it's funny because your name of your podcast, just over knows, is I have a podcast. So it's very niche in, yeah. in name, at least. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. And very and very uh practical. Uh I love the name. I love the site too. So, I mean, it's a good, I love, it's easy to remember, which is my, like one it. of my pillars of like domain ownership. Well, I love, I love when people repeat things that I say. And I, I was trying to think like, how, what, what do people talk about when they talk about podcasting that I could possibly be in a sentence that they would say? And I was in the call and literally five people back to back, we all introduced ourselves and they said the same thing over and over again. Hi, I'm Vinny. I have a podcast. And I was like, that's, that's what it is. And, and also going back to Al-Anon and Alateen, to be mm-hmm. honest, and like, and like the, the Alcoholics Anonymous, and it's an identifier. I love identifying as a podcast, as a podcaster, as a producer, you have no clue what I do. I could be a numbers guy, a creator of, you know, what I love. There's so many different sort of things. As a podcaster, you have to have a pretty unique 
skill set. You're it's pretty well rounded. Even if you're hiring a team to do most of the work, the words come out of your mouth that are propelled by the thoughts that you, you know, like the the whole idea of podcasting, the whole, the accountability. I love accountability of podcasting. I love podcasters who are getting out there and, sh- and sharing their point of view, who are quick to share their opinion and are slow to change their minds. I think those are great podcasters out there right now. I think those that's what makes great talent just in general, people who make quick decisions who are slow to change their mind because you know their point of view. You, you sort of know what to expect from them, but you leave room for them to impress you. You leave room for them to change the facts, mm-hmm. change the energy. And um, I like that part. So do you want to correct that failure? So you said it was a, you didn't have it nailed down what I have a podcast is. Well, what is it? Have you nailed that down? Yeah. So, yeah. So the failure drove me to um, do more post work on my podcast. And what I ended up doing is going into my podcast and cutting down the episodes so that I can be more specific as a resource. So instead of pointing to the Mandy Moore episode or the Christina Milian episode or, or, or one, and also that just sounded like one-offs. Like, I don't want to have, these are like my friends. These are not like random people. Mm-hmm. So a couple of things I'm going to tell you. One, I'm not having random people on my podcast. I only talk to people I know. They might be new people that I know. Sure. Or old people that I know. But like, I'm not going to. No randos. Yeah. It's, some, I, it's not what I, it's not what I want to put into it. And it's not what I get out of it. When I, I feel a little bit performative and I have to prove something when I'm in front of someone I don't know. When I'm with a friend, especially a successful one who. Who I've who I tr- who who's trusted me yeah to and listen to me and then they were successful well then I, I mean if they believe in me how can I how can I not believe I mean if I believe in them and they you know what I mean and, starts out on the right vibe you know you're both you're both confident and yeah right each other but I want to go back to them I want more many more episodes I want more Christina Milian and Jamie Lynn Sigler and Diane on first I want more you know episodes like that so if I can stay on the topic if I could talk about creating content. Mm-hmm. And one fifteen, I, my goal is a fifteen minute conversation. They turn into like thirty. One conversation about selling content. You know, we don't have to have the same conversation about making content and selling it just because the person in front of me does both. When I'm thinking about the future of my content, I'm thinking about how will I be able to leverage the content that I'm making now. I see it as archival. Mm-hmm. So I'd love to be able to go back and say, here are five episodes on how to launch a podcast. One of them happens to be with Sujin Park. Instead, what I did with Sujin, who's my first interview, is I interviewed her about her whole life, MTV and her podcast and my podcast and all the other things that were happening, you know, in social media. And they're all important. But what I didn't do was have a plan that Mm -hmm. I stuck to. What I didn't do was create a space to have that conversation. I didn't know how much time I was devoting to that conversation. So I tried to put everything into one conversation, which ultimately Sounded like a schizophrenic Vinnie Pastibo, bada bing, bada boop, all over the place. You know what I mean? I was b- bouncing off the walls because I'm trying to, I'm trying to fit it all in, and I'm doing it because I want you, the listener, I want you to hear these things. But what I realized is no one's listening to the end all the way through. Mm-hmm. You know, my brain. I not to say my brain works so fast in a good way. My brain works really fast in a bad way. I often don't finish sentences or I, I miss a connecting word because like mm-hmm. it just goes. And, I, and that's something I, you know, that I have to work on. And that that's, that's what I wish I would have changed up front, but, but focusing on impact, 
And and also, I am not. I'm not going to have an advertiser. I don't want advertisers on that. There's lots of ways to make money on the podcast. Mm-hmm. I don't want a podcast. I don't want an advertiser. I'm so, so serious. About that. <laughs> it took me so long yeah. to record an ad for my own company. To that's what I want, and I put that on mine. <laughs> that's yes. Yeah. By the way, and then I would love to have your ad on my podcast for a oh, couple of weeks. So awesome. Like, you just said you weren't going to do it. Now you're doing it. That was a so quick round. I don't want. I don't <laughs> want to. I don't want ads. I'm not letting paid ads. Oh, paid ads. Got it. I'm not letting someone else control my schedule. I'm not mm-hmm. letting someone else tell me when I have to post. This is my project. I already did work for somebody else. Yep. You know what I mean? Where they own it and they tell you what to do. The last thing I'm going to do is get paid a couple of hundred bucks based on if my podcast gets to a couple of thousand people yeah, and I'm going to commit myself to a schedule that serves you. And it affects your creativity and everything else. It doesn't let you be present. You're thinking about, you know, reach or some some metric. So So what do I get to do with my three advertising spots? When I meet someone like you, who's got their shit together and (laughs) has a 30 or 45 second or only appears to for sure. <laughs> I can offer them the space. I'm happy to offer that. I, I, I created the framework, the podcast, so I could promote other people. And that's, so that's one of the reasons why, you know, I'm, I'm, I'll never have an advertiser is, is that one, the space goes to us Two, the energy is ours. We have, we control it. Yeah. You know? I, I, like I said, I struggle to put my own thing on there. I, it's cause same thing. I don't know how it's going to affect my creativity or anything like that. One thing that was cool, I was on this podcast called Broken Bulbs. And what he did was cool. he did, uh, it was like an hour meeting, but he did three different episodes. So he set it up three times and did a subject of each or each one of my things. But you could do that with some of your guests. So you have three Mandy Moores in the same amount of time, you know, and they'd be smaller, digestible. So that's exactly how. Is that how you're doing it now? That's that's exactly how I started recording now. So we'll, we'll, we kick up actually a week from now. We start launching okay. daily. Because Jamie Lynn was like, what, 10 or 11, 12, 15 minutes, something like that. It was pretty short. I stopped. I pulled, I stopped Jamie. So I have three more episodes of Jamie Lynn Sigler that are the next ones. She's where I realized that I'm trying to, I'm trying to put Sopranos <laughs> and Mama Said and Pajama. I'm trying to throw everything that she's doing into one conversation. Yeah. Multiple sclerosis, p- podcasting, acting, being a mom, all of those things. Into, who is that serving? Mm-hmm. It wasn't serving, to be really honest, it wasn't serving me because I felt performative and all over the place and like kind of wackadoo crazy. Yeah. And then also, I'll be blunt, as a friend, I didn't feel like it was serving her. Like, I'm like, why is she telling me all this stuff? Like, there's so many, some of these questions, you know, and I, I don't ask questions that are out there, but I was asking questions that I didn't need to ask. What I wanted to do was ask the questions that I can get away with asking, like, how come you're not creating? Or what's the hardest part about going into the studio? If you already have a studio down in your basement, like, just help me understand that. Like, do you, mm-hmm. Yeah, I like asking those, you know, other, I can get away with that. I can ask Christina Million. Well, your boyfriend got money he has a studio and he's an artist and yeah must be around music so like what's going on how come you're not writing because the baby because you're because the business because she knows it's not gotcha journalism yeah and that's not and that's and, and i can get and i can let myself go there hmm. and i can get curious and i can ask questions that i don't know the answer to that's the mad that, that for me, those are the aha moments magic where something happens because I asked a question that I didn't know the answer to. And that turned into something like, 
like talking to Mandy more about her creative process as, as a creator, as a producer, as an artist, as an actor. She never directed. And I know she never directed before. And I was like, how come? How come? Like, it's the last season. Maybe like, yeah, you might as well just like it. You might, might as well now or never. Cause like you've done enough seasons with these people, like who better to, and they love guest directing, you know, like that. And I'm not saying that I inspired that conversation, but mm-hmm. she was clearly thinking about it already. Cause a week later she called me back after talking to Dan Fogelman. And she was, I think this either this week or next week, her episode that she directed airs. And, and because we asked that question, we've been featured in press and, and, journals and 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 have been quoted inspiring you know this conversation which is super cool to know that i still can inspire one of like my favorite muses in the entire world Mm -hmm. regardless of how we how we're set up to work together like i was a coordinator at mtv it was my job to be mandy moore's talent coordinator and man you know like i I, that was like was my job to do that but as a podcaster it gives me the space to get to effectively communicate those sort of thoughts and ideas that and plant seeds that mm-hmm. will grow, you know, on their terms. Yeah. I love it too. Cause I can ask the dumb questions. I can be the dumb guy who, who is like, I don't know with this answer, <laughs> but I think my listeners would want to know. So I'll just be the guy who's, you know, I might come across like an idiot, but what, how do you pronounce your name or something? <laughs> I, don't know. Yeah. I wouldn't ask that question, but I've messed that up plenty of times. I'm wondering if you have any other thoughts on failure, because I know we're running a little long. If you have any specific, like either stories of failure or thoughts on the topic before we get to the forward looking stuff and the last couple of questions. Sure. Fail, just fail, 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 fail. If no one's looking, if you're not big, if like <laughs> if, if you're waiting for your big moment, to ha- fail now before anyone looks. Yes. To be really honest. That's what, you know what? Um, right now in the press, Adele is getting slammed because she pulled the plug on her concert just a couple of days before her residency was supposed to kick up. And I would say she, she canceled it because of failure. She was afraid to fail. And what happened is she waited too long to pull the plug. So everybody saw her fail. Mm. But if she had preemptively taken the steps to not wait as long, not wait till it's four days till showtime earlier in the process, it would have been um, uh, much less damage control to do. So fail, fail early on. Like if you have an idea and you think you're going to fail, do it like immediately. <laughs> so yeah. Tomorrow you wake up and it's a learning experience. And that is it. And you're, and to be honest, I'll say this because I've, I've worked with a lot of stars that have done many different types of projects. You're only, whether you're a star, meaning a celebrity, an artist, like an actor or a person with a unique personality, or you're only known or as known as your last great hit, if that's fair to say. So like, if they know you as an artist, it's because you rocked as an artist and they forgot you were an actor in that movie. You know, they forgot you were a reality contestant 20 years ago, finally, mm-hmm. because the shit you're doing now is so good. Yeah. I mean, remember the good, remember the now. So if you're, if you're, if you're afraid to fail, just do it <laughs> so that you don't have to be afraid anymore. Yeah. And then that leaves room for winning. Well, like your point, like Robert Downey Jr., we don't talk about his massive failures back in the what yeah. was it, 90s. Uh, we just talk about how successful he is now. I mean, maybe you talk about it as like a, a you know, story that's an over overcoming kind of story. But a lot of times it's tough now because I can't imagine growing up in high school with social media and how every little thing you do wrong would then be forever cemented. I'm glad a lot of my failures 
uh, younger kind of fade forever because there's no one videotaping it with a phone. But at least now, you, to your point, there's so much stuff out there. It, you know, yeah, definitely fail, fail often, but also don't don't stop doing things because you might fail because that's like one of the worst things someone can do is if they think they got something, but they're like so scared of of putting it out there that they don't. And then the world gets robbed of whatever that thing is. Maybe we would have liked it. Who knows? I mean, there's, I mean, if there's, if there, if the risk is low, you know, I want to be careful about failure. True. Or hurting other people is also not, shouldn't be a part of it. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. So as long as that risk is, and, and, and the risk doesn't, you know, and, and take qualified measurable risks, I would say maybe uh, if you can't afford to spend money on something for it to fail, then don't spend money on something. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of free ways to fail. And do it with the free vert. <laughs> yeah. Do it with the free vert. Exactly. Exactly. And then you'll learn. By the way, I did. There's so many reels that I had to edit back in the day where I didn't have these pieces or I didn't, and I was being frugal and I didn't want to pay for whatever widget or whatever, you know, and uh, I record my screen and I push it, you know, like you saw you scotch tape it together kind of thing. Um, but but failing will actually strengthen your ability to rebound and be resilient. Failing will help you land on your feet when you do take those big risks to get up quicker. And I think that the speed in which you get up, the speed in which you rebound is, is you know, says a lot about the potential success that you could have in that action. So, so just even failing, you know how to fall. You know, the yeah. first time you fall, you break your nose, you're bloody on your face. The second time you fall, you know, you cover your face on the <laughs> way down. No, you got a scraped elbow, but not a bloody nose. You learn, you know, Yeah, you learn. And, and, and mm-hmm. artists learn. They put, there's lots of albums out there <laughs> that, that uh, didn't, don't rate and they don't get on, you know, they don't make the big impact. The good, you know, I'll say the good news is that no one heard it. So no yeah. one saw the failure. The bad news is, you know, the people who want you to be successful, see it. And that just means they're going to be empowered to make sure you're successful the next time around. So absolutely. And it's also interesting, probably like some a lot of performers, I bet their favorite CD that they made isn't necessarily the one that got famous, but you can't always control that. Yeah. Well Seth Godin Seth, Seth talks about, you know, yeah, how how we currently are measuring creative success and financial success similar as as if creative success and financial success simultaneously is something to be to be expected by mm-hmm. the way you know which is not nothing financial success is I, I i i mitigated risk um i spent as little money as possible i made as much money as possible financial success a creative success is i spent it all i have nothing left but we changed mm-hmm. we changed the industry and there are tools that we'll be able to invest in and because we as a community built this we can now use these tools to get to where we want to be and creatively find ways to be successful. It's very different how creative success and financial. There's a lot of intangibles that aren't financial related. And I stole that, what I was saying from Seth, because he said the author's favorite book usually isn't the best rated one, but I Mm -hmm. reapplied it to music for you, but I was, I was uh, talking about Seth Godin. So so good, good catch. Um, So being on the show, you get a get out of fail free card which is similar to the monopoly card where you can get out of jail, but instead this time you can get out of, out of failure. So is there like a hobby or a passion or an interest? It sounded like earlier before when we were talking, you said you, before the recording, you didn't want to be an actor. 
Mm-hmm. You'd rather represent people. But is there something where you would use a get out of fail free card if you could pursue a hobby or a passion or something that you've avoided because of the amount of failure that's likely baked into it? Oh, interesting. So like if, if I wasn't afraid to fail, would you be a Broadway actor or something? I have no idea what the thing is. The musicals. I don't know what you. Uh, this is a great question. You know, I really didn't want to be an actor because I just like I'm a full figure dude. Like I'm six three, two fifty. Like I'm I wake up at eight, not at four in the morning. Um, I enjoy my pasta. You know, I kind of, I kind of didn't, didn't, I didn't want to be an actor enough to live the life that I know successful actors back then had to do for a certain aesthetic. So a lot of it has to do Mm -hmm. with that. The other thing is like, I really, really, really love learning things my own way. I wish that I was could go to school and learn Oh, maybe this is something. Maybe I can apply your get out of fail. Maybe I would, to be honest, maybe I would take a class. I didn't think I was going to say that, but maybe I would go back to school. Maybe I would take a class or get a degree. One class? Yeah, I know. It would be in marketing or it would, it, there there would be like a, a major or a concentration. I, I, I didn't take marketing when I was in school. I would love to have more of that. And I'm not saying I'm afraid of failing but i'm afraid of carving time out it's this is weird to say because i'm afraid to fail but i'm afraid of carving time out and then not knowing if it was worth it if i can like recoup it yeah but i think that all depends on like where where you go to learn you know so yeah i would i would i've been thinking about that too um i wasn't a good student i wasn't i was told that i'm not a good writer so I never really like writing. To be honest, I like reality TV because everyone does everything. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then I have to make sense of it. I can do that. I'm working with the pieces. If I have to write a story from scratch, you know, I just don't, I don't write books like that. I don't write film scripts and things like that. That's not, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't even like telling, I don't like micromanaging. I don't like telling people what to do. <laughs> yeah, I hate it. I hate that. I don't like, I don't like having control over what people do, to be really honest. In my reality shows, my, my stars do their, they, they, they do their show. That is their energy. Like I don't. Yeah. I wasn't in Jessica Simpson's ear saying, okay, now call a chicken, you know. Now say, ask if this is fish, you know, tuna fish, <laughs> you know, like I wasn't, I, I could never come up with something that good, but I know that, I know that, I know that, that life comes up with some, some funny shit, some sad stuff, some brilliant stuff. And I, I let that inspire me to be really honest. Otherwise, and, and I let that like impact me and I let that, uh, and that's like my process. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's what I get out of it. Uh, if I have to put everything into it, and have full control like that's like a film dude that's why films have yeah so much more staff that's why there are so many more people hundreds of people working in something scripted than unscripted um and i like that i i love that i come from unscripted with a touch of scripted background you know i did freedom riders um with paramount is a film that i i got to cast and and i and beyonce and hip hop so i have a little bit of some film stuff just to know what it was like yeah. You know, to, to to be honest, to book celebrities for an for a film as opposed to to find people who've never been tapped before and give them a shot at something. That's like what I got out of unscripted and that's primed me for this market that we're in, this creator economy that we're in. You brought up Damien Fahey, you know, he yeah, he was the host of 
of TRL back in the day. He's the co-EP and one of the writers on Family Guy. Just one of the smartest people I know. I heard, yeah. Uh, uh, and he's going to be, he will be like a late, he will, when the when one of the Jimmys are done, <laughs> he will be called to, uh, without a doubt, do I, do I think that he's going to, that that's where he's destined to be, a late night talk show host for our generation when he's finally old enough he's such a baby face when he's when he looks old enough to have the spot a good guy uh only because you mentioned it i'm going to plug the akimbo workshops so there's a marketing seminar one seth godin's um podcast called akimbo he does he um is related to the the workshops it's a course on marketing you were talking about and you can't fail because it's all collaborative stuff with lessons and stuff and you like support each other so I'm just going to plug that. I don't think it's going to be available again until September. So who knows? Smart. But I've done the marketing seminar. I'm doing the podcasters workshop. I've done the creatives workshop. There's a lot of cool things like that, but it's not like a pass fail thing. So you get out of fail free yeah. just based on the fact that it's not, not a pass fail well, thing. I, I feel like I, I did my first, ma- I was, I participated in my first mastermind last year. And mm-hmm. to be honest, I probably would have said like, I would love a get out of fail card for that because and I think the reason why I was so afraid to do a mastermind is because like, I know what I want to learn, but I didn't know what I could teach other people or what other people would learn from me as a result of me learning. Like I didn't realize that piece. So I was really focused on failing people and letting them down because I'm not a coach and I don't have um, systems. I just have results. You have so much knowledge though. Yeah. Knowledge, you know, <laughs> you have so much experience, you know? Are you saying last year? This is when that was. Yeah, you got to know by now. You have something to give. By the way, it was in that mastermind that I solidified the partnership that ultimately led to my Emmy. So, like, it was, and it's part of why I chose to to do it, and it's how I gave myself the the grace and space to jump into something that I thought maybe I was going to fail at. You know what I know I can do? TV. You know what I know I know how to make content. I know how to launch a talent brand. I know how to be respectful and do it with a big brand and not take away from mm-hmm. what their core, you know, value, you know, like I, I know how to, I know that I know how to do, but I, I hadn't seen myself yet in a situation where it was peer to peer. And I, I thought, I thought I would have to teach something. And I didn't realize that turns out I'm pretty curious and the, the breadcrumbs speak for themselves. <laughs> yeah. Well, a lot of times people in those groups want to do more sharing than others. So you could also be a sponge, but depending on who's leading it, they should be able to extract from you the things that you can share as well. So that's what it was. Yeah. I was afraid to share. I was like, who am I to share anything? And everyone's like, Din, what do you tell me everything? I'm like, <laughs> oh, oh, I get it. I get it now. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So then I guess the last question before we get to where people can find you is uh, what are you going to fail at next? What's the big thing you're going to work on that you don't know how it's going to go? Is there any new projects or even the podcast? What, what would you say is the new thing you're going to fail? I say instead of fake it till you make it, I say fail it till you nail it. So I like it. What would that be? I, I bet it's funny. I, I, and I make it to fake it so that I can take it to the next level. <laughs> <laughs> right you have to make it you have to physically put the infrastructure there yeah even though it's all not really there but there's something tangible and now someone can see the tangible piece and go oh now he got you know framework so now i can go and work with Vinny. and so it's that framework is what i'm about to fail at um i'm putting together a creator accelerator a deconstructed mastermind experience 
I'm sure other people are doing it. It just kind of like makes sense in my head about how I like to support people who I like to support um, right now or for the for the last five years, I've kind of only been set up to work one-on-one with founder-led brands, people who have um, smaller teams or people who have larger teams that I can come in and, and give them the framework. So um, I worked really hard to put some something together, this creator accelerator that organizes some access to my world and, and the things that I'd love to share. And and then and then and it started off at that, you know, like as as how can I help just make myself available 24-7 when I'm not available 24-7. Uh, and what it's turned into, or what I hope it turns into, is like, um, it would be cool if we all could speak the same language. If we all had a couple of like the same pieces of words that we use in our communication day to day that allow us to understand exactly what we want. And like imp- impeccably what our goals are. And um, I think that I'm, I'm doing a good job. Yeah, I'm, I show up in places like you on your podcast where I have no control and I just get to be the guest because this is, you know, uh, I'm a control freak. <laughs> you know, uh, everyone wants working with me to be perfect and they want it to look perfect, you know, every step of the way. And I want them to have that experience too. More importantly, I want them to win, but it also needs to look fun and like yeah. look entertaining. That That's a big part of, of what I do. That's, if anything working with me, you will laugh, you will cry, you will, it will be sad tears and happy tears. Like you said earlier, I'm extremely empathetic to the process and protective over that process as well. Um, and there are lots of different ways to get your goals. So I like, I like being mindful of that. Is that creator accelerator uh, a thing yet? Or is it just in the making? When does this air? And like in two weeks? Something like that. Some maybe the end of this month because I got a couple of love people for if it Valentine's airs at the end of this month. It's out and it's on vpe.tv. Uh, if it's in a couple of weeks, yeah, 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 cool. We'll just assume it's out then. Yeah, and I'm excited to. I have weekly office hours. There's some awesome URL resources, a video library that are there. Um, I'm just inviting people into my space to be honest and not charging. People, I'm, I'm asking them to. I'm asking them to apply only because I want to make sure that the energy is right. Um, they're being a star, being a star, or being uh, being rich or being broke. None of that matters. It's literally just about energy. It's about um, goals. It's about you know um, what you can bring to the table. Mm-hmm. And where is this? And uh, if you're curious about finding information. Um, on this, come to vpe.tv or hit me up in the DMs. Like, um, you know, if you if you're listening to this, then you're a friend of Ben's, and I'm connected with Ben on social media. So anywhere where he's connected on social, I I'll make sure that I'm you know we're linked up. Is a good way to find me. Hit me up too if you need to uh, get in touch with them because no one hits me yeah. up anyway. So hit me up. Hit him up. You don't need to get in touch with yeah, them. Yeah, in fact, don't don't even <laughs> just ask him specific. In fact, hit him up and then don't reach out to me. <laughs> I'll no, be don't. I'll be the guy who connects everyone. <laughs> yeah. By the way, I love I, I'm the, I, I'm him. I'm that guy. Which guy? The guy who connects everybody. That's literally. Oh yeah, you, it's good to know a guy. I got a guy, or, or now I got a person. I don't want to be too. Yeah, misogynistic, but you know, you know, when someone comes to you, say, "Hey, I, I need, I need a talent agent or something like that." I'm like, "Oh, okay. Well, that's not me for sure." But yeah, I got a guy. I got, I got this guy Vinny in New York. Yeah, he's uh, in Brooklyn. Vinny from Brooklyn. He's uh, that's the ticket. <laughs> <laughs> and I like the control freak thing that you're saying because 
I do a ton of editing of my episodes. It might not seem that way because I leave some of the failures in. If like at the beginning when I messed up your name, I'm probably gonna leave that in. But I do an insane amount of editing to make it sure it's the best product and best like audio experience. So I know what you mean about that. But it's nice being a guest when you can yeah. just sign off and be done, and then it goes out into the world on its own. Don't don't forget failure. You know, is a is point of view. You may think you failed at saying my name, but there's uh, half of my family would say you got it right the first time and you got it wrong the second time. So there's Perfect. a potestivo and a potestivo, you know, a side to, two sides of the coin, you know. I can please both of them then or, or piss both of them off. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so just lastly, where would you send people to find you? Where's the best place to connect with you? I know you just said, okay, sorry, go ahead. VPE.TV is the best place to find me on like the web um i'm on all social media platforms reach out and say hi i'm like a friendly guy so like it's true say hi, <laughs> say hi in the dms if you want to say hi in captions say hi in the cap- say hi i don't care say, uh, i like those five letters vpe.tv that's five letters that's short there's not a lot of short urls these days i try to keep it simple you know otherwise you know you confuse you lose <laughs> yeah honestly q u u u u u u u u u i mean i would have renamed that forever <laughs> q you, I know. Is that the two Utes? Did you say you? <laughs> Q U U U dot co slash promote. Because Q yeah, sounds like it has a U built into it when you say it. It does. <laughs> That's why you say Q U U U dot co slash promote. Yeah, you just send them the link, I guess. I can't wait to see who uses that, by the way. That's such a good, that's such a good. Yeah. If you're, if you're writing blogs, because you want the SEO exposure and you're not putting it in some type of aggregator, you're do, you don't even realize what could be happening. You don't, that, that's how media is distributed. So, so NBC, ABC, Fox, they have news networks. Why? Because they also have production companies that make mm-hmm. content that the news departments then take and leverage and populate. So you will see and you will see E killing it on the red carpet because that's where NBC News, that's where the Today Show, that's where, you know, Lester Holt and, and that's where they'll get their images from, from on, the, on the pop culture side. So so the news people are not people are not paying attention to Google News. And by the way, if you want to get verified on Insta, Google News, you have to have a good you have to have a good Google News and you have to have a good Google Trends score. So like. Q-U-U-U.co slash promote will help you with both. That's awesome. Uh, I'm going to check it out for sure. And also, I know that I don't do enough things that I can do with the content I already have. So I, I appreciate that. No, and you're awesome. Your accountability check on on getting your podcasts onto imdb.com is like, that is hitting me hard. You got to do it. There, I, I strongly believe that people deserve they work hard and then they don't take credit and they don't ask for credit and here you're doing neither i love it you're giving it to yourself by going to imdb and putting so and i remember when imdb came out i remember 20 25 years ago i have no idea how long ago it was but i remember when i was the only place to find the two top 250 movies or whatever and i would use it for very specific reasons but to be on it is great. I was already on it for video game stuff, but I mean, like to even be able to put yourself on there and it's legitimate. It's not like it's it's legit. a, I use it. I mean, I use IMDb to book TV shows. I use, I actively use. So IMDb Pro has an ability to see people's agents and their managers and their attorneys. Most of the time, it's it's pretty up to date, but there are, there are other websites like Who Represents and there are mm-hmm. other websites that have 
contact information for celebrities, but imdb.com being in the Amazon ecosystem, being so connected to Google, it's just, you won't get more. You, I, I, here's the thing. It's February 8th. I'm going to go and put my, my podcast into imdb.com today. Yes. And I will let you know when I get my first news alert from Google that it's already been published. I'll, I bet it, I bet it's less than a week. I'll start getting alerts. When I put the Baskin episode up, it took only like two hours and it was already on there. Cause I had already, but I already set up my, I don't know how long it takes for a title to get added. It might take a little bit longer, but once you yeah, get yeah, it, yeah. each episode, as long as it's. Do you have to put the budget information in? I put like 1200 bucks or something like that, but yeah, I had, but it, for the whole program, it's not for per episode or anything like that. Oh, I didn't. Yeah. I spoke in direct TV. I didn't even think about that, but you can also, I mean, there's, there's all sorts of things you can do, but you can add any kind of credits you want to it. Uh, so like I said, I put myself as director, producer, sometimes writer, not writer, because I don't write anything editor, but only on a couple, I forgot to do it for most of them, but yeah, it's a really cool way to, uh, to promote your thing. So I want to make sure when I go to put yours in, I want to make sure I see I have a podcast on your profile. I'm doing it next. Okay, good. Perfect. <laughs> like literally, it's like what I'm doing next. Well, I appreciate you for coming on the show, for being vulnerable, sharing all your all your thoughts. And I uh, can't wait for the listeners to hear it. Ben, I'm so happy that I found you and that you were in my life. And like, I really do. I really like, thank you for supporting me on my lives and, 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 but it's like your energy that it's not the, it's not this, this, it's nice when there's a number and there's a hundred people in the audience, it's even more when you know who those people are. I think that's going back to the original hundred people in the studio versus a hundred people at your birthday party. Yeah. A hundred friends is way more overwhelming. than. And even just the audio, you talk to someone clubhouse or wherever, and it's only audio and then you finally see somebody. It's just a different experience. So I know I always get the you're so much taller than I thought. <laughs> well, I I don't. I, I well I do because I, I look short. I'm five like five eleven, so I'm not like short, but I look like I should be short. So they're like you're taller than I thought, but I'm not like that tall. So you're so funny. <laughs> I get that sometimes. Would you like to be more efficient, productive, and confident in your work at the office? Over 750 million people worldwide use Excel, yet it's still a misunderstood and frequently misused tool. That's why I created Excel Exposure, so you can work smarter and not harder. The Excel Essentials course gives you over five hours of in-depth video lessons, plus it comes along with my master workbook which has every function, shortcut, and all the examples to follow along. Investopedia actually included my course in their list of six best online Excel classes of 2021 saying it's best for visual learners. As someone who's an expert in failure, I can certainly teach you and your team how to avoid spreadsheet failures and create bulletproof Excel documents. Use the coupon code FAILURE for 20% off of the lifetime access price. Visit ExcelExposure.com for more information and also my existing award-winning free training. Thanks for joining me on the Failure Guy podcast. If you enjoyed it, feel free to tell somebody. And don't forget, always try to fail it till you nail it. Till next time.